You're listening to Opinions and Beer. Hello and welcome to Opinions and Beer. I'm your host, Adam. In just a few short moments, we'll be talking with James Marandino, the director, writer of cult classic film SLC Punk. Keenan is on the other line with him right this second. As always, our Sunday interviews, the beer review is at the end of the episode. And, I mean, that's it. That's all. we got a long episode. So let's get on to this interview with James Marandino. For me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if we've done an episode on any mead so far. Uh, we've done a yeah, lot of I, different types. Honey, it's called Honey Wine, right? Honey Wine. Be yeah, mead. yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I recall how mead is made. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, a renter. It's a renter thing. Yeah, I think I've, I've had mead, like, once before. Uh, I bet you, you could, uh, I don't know if you can even buy uh, mead in stores. I don't know if it's only available around Renfest. And well, stuff it, like it, they have it in New York stores. I mean, there's, like, pretty big... Um, like uh, anachronistic society community where they dress up like knights and they drink mead and they pretend to fight battles. Well, the people people that don't like beer won't listen to us, and then people that do like uh-huh. beer, people that do like beer won't listen to us because we don't talk enough about the beer. Yeah, <laughs> we go like off into the- and then we go on about other things. So, uh, we well, ha- why, what I like, why? First of all, who doesn't like beer? I mean, except for I guess. Uh, well. <laughs> Well, we I almost mean, had a. If you're, maybe if you're sober, <laughs> even if you're sober, you can still like you know appreciate beer. I don't understand. Well, uh, it's kind of odd. We almost had a Kel Mitchell on the podcast until uh, we told him what our what our uh, name was, and he said that uh, I guess uh, he's a born again uh, something. It goes <laughs> against his image, and it goes against his image, so he can't. Uh, be I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...I'm...
back then it was pretty tough to live, so you know, a little buzz off was probably a good thing. Can you imagine being the first guy to drink the fermented? Uh, their ga- gatherings that they put well, there. I, it's, probably, it was, it. it's probably an accident. Yeah, well, if anything. Well, no, it was an accident. Yeah, it yeah, it's more like, oh man, like, oh, we ain't got it. nothing but uh, our gatherings that's been sitting here for months fermenting. This is all we have to survive on right now, so we're going to take a shot at it. Which is actually getting uh, popular right now in the uh, craft beer community is uh, they're going back to, uh, well, sours. You oh, know, yeah. uh, letting uh, uh-huh. wild yeast, wild yeast ferment their uh, beer. So. Well, so did you know that, that when, when they used to be pretty common that when people would come over on ships, they they didn't drink water; they bring they they bring beer. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. to hydrate because the water would go bad. Yeah, and that, that's why you always hear about like pirates drinking grog and all that. All grog is is uh, whiskey, sugar, and water because their water yeah, doesn't keep unless they put whiskey and sugar in it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, honestly, how could you survive without alcohol free, uh, you know, TV and, and, and antibiotics? I, don't know. I know, I know, right? It's like, it's like uh, alcohol is the only thing killing anything. Now everybody looks down on people for being a drunk back in the day. They're like, why are you not a drunk? You know? yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, 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 new audience to tap into, the uh, anti-vaxxers. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> If you don't vaccinate, you better drink a lot, you know? Polio, you say drink. <laughs> That's actually there's a story about um, a film-related story where John Houston and Humphrey um, Bogart were shooting the African Queen in, in Africa, and um, everyone got dysentery except for them because they were drunk the whole time. Oh, yeah. So, there's the benefits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't drink the water. <laughs> <laughs> I, that sounds like me. I'd be safe. You know? Right. I never drink water. So, uh, so Mr. Marandino, uh, you are a director. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> you, uh, um, you know, actually, Keenan here, uh, it, it, it took us a minute to, uh, you know, scheduling. I found that scheduling uh, interviews and podcasts is is quite uh, consuming as far as uh, you gotta uh, be right on the money. But um, uh, we waited for Keenan. Keenan went to uh, went to jail over yeah. Uh, yeah. over over marijuana. Yeah. How was your stay? Uh, Thirty days. Over How a was it? It was a nice. Was it was it a good vacation? Oh, man, nah, it sucked. Jail sucks. <laughs> you know, like, apparently, the jail I went to, like, everyone was uh, bragging about how, like, you know, I went to Orange County Jail, and everyone's like, oh, man, Orange County Jail is like a stay in a hotel compared to other counties. It, it still sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's, yeah, uh, jail would suck. Oh, yeah. But, Why'd you go to jail? What, what, was you, what, what did you go to jail for? Oh, uh, well, okay, well, it, uh... Starts out as a simple story and just gets more and more complicated as it goes. I got caught with a roach. I got we got pulled over and the cops like, look man, like if y'all are super on. And just, let, let me start the story out by saying the other day my brother had got caught and with gotten caught with an ounce and he he honestly showed the the officer the ounce and the officer just like gave him a warning and let him go like oh don't don't let me okay. catch you out here again. All right, hearing That's that. So I pull out this little roach that I have. Like, here you go, officer. It's just a roach. I'm sure he's about to scatter it to the wind and tell us to have a nice day. Motherfucker puts handcuffs on me and brings me to jail for the roach. Yeah. 
So I go to jail. Yeah, I know, right? Like you know, and this, uh, like the weed laws are changing all around America, but that's not in Texas. Legal. <laughs> Almost legal. What the hell? Yeah, man? yeah. And then, dude, that's just it. Texas is throwing the book at, at weed users while they, there's still a book to throw at them. You know. So they, he brings me to jail. I spend I spend a night in jail, and then uh, I get out and I, I got court and all that, and I, I get a lawyer. And uh, my lawyer tells me, oh, what, like, you spent the night in jail for a roach? That's ridiculous. I'm going to get you time yeah. served, you know? Like, we're going to go to court, and you're just going to get time served, and this is all going to be over. So I go to court. I don't even see the judge. Like, the, the, my lawyer has, like, some backroom conversation with the judge in the judge's office. Then he comes out, and he's like, yeah, you got to pay $1,000. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened to time served? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I get charged with this $1,000 warrant. And uh, I'm I'm in a weird place uh, professionally, you know. I'm not making a lot of money, so uh, yeah. that didn't get paid. And then uh, I ended up having to move to Louisiana. And in my absence, I got a failure to appear. Uh, 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 I was charged with bond jumping, and, uh, and of course, there's still the original uh, possession of marijuana charge. So then, like, uh, I had a warrant out for my arrest, and I knew that, like, you know, there's many, many, you know. Sure, I can keep ignoring that warrant and just keep my head down and my nose clean and not deal with this and ignore it. But I knew that like there's so many opportunities that this warrant has stopped me from. And uh, if I'm ever going to clean my life up, I knew I'd take care of that warrant. So I straight up fucking went to Orange County Jail and turned myself in. And I, oh, I had completely misunderstood the situation. I thought I had a warrant out because of that $1,000 warrant. Now, 100 days in jail, that's just 10 days in jail. I could fucking do that. So I marched my ass up there and uh, turned myself in and then find out about all the other shit, the bond jumping, the failure to appear. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did have a court date that I didn't show up to. So, you know, 10 oh, days turned to 30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that, yeah, that, that's that's what happened. <laughs> that's <laughs> awful. That's, I, that's, wow. That's like, yeah, it's a cautionary tale, though, to, like, you know, like, this stuff seems ignorable because if you just keep your head down, but it's it's accumulating over time as you ignore it. You know, you're not doing yourself any favors ignoring any warrants or fines or court appearances at all. You know that. that you know, I had a friend who went to jail for 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 not appearing in court for not having a seatbelt on. I mean, like, so you know that stuff piles up. Yeah, failure to appear and then that becomes an issue. I mean, he just didn't even know. I mean. Apparently he like he didn't have a seatbelt on. He got a ticket, and then he, he sent him a check, and he just assumed it was finished. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he had to. It, the next thing you know, and they put him in jail for ten days. Oh man, they they don't like, tell you a thing either. They don't want you to know because they want it to accumulate, uh, turn into a warrant, so that they can like you know, prosecute you to the max to the to the maximum, get yeah, more money out of you. Those are profit jail, so they need to keep their quotas. I mean, this guy was a producer. He was you know, like he couldn't buy his way out of it or anything. Oh yeah, it's a capious like, warrant. It's like, I, they said, "What are you in jail for?" He's like, "For for but I didn't wear my seatbelt." <laughs> like, oh, so like, honestly, like they're trying. They said this. You know, he's supposed to wear a seatbelt to be safe, so they put him in jail with, like, rapists. Yeah, I was, just, oh, I was just about to comment how, like, and they judge you based on what you're in there for. You know, like, people treated me like shit because I was just, like, I just had a little bit of weed. They're like, fuck you, you ain't no gangster. And I was like, of course I'm not. I'm just a stoner. God damn it. You know? <laughs> yeah, you ain't no gangster. I'm not fucking trying to be. You know? You told him you were, I don't know, maybe, maybe, Mark's. 
criminal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then they make you prove it. So, you know, that's the problem, I guess. It's the problem. Yeah. But it's all over now. And Glad to be out. Like I said, that's something I, I had to take care of. I got it taken care of. So now I can move on to further steps to, you know, putting my life back together. Well, that was in Texas. I mean, we're, I live in New York. It's a little more, we're a little more broad-minded up here because we have some really hardcore criminals up here. Yeah, I heard you, like, you get caught smoking a joint in New York and uh, it's just a, a ticket at the most, right? You can't. There's nowhere in the city where you can walk where you don't smell joint. Like anywhere you walk, it's like it's like you're walking through a cloud. You get high. It's, Man, it's so many people smoke. It's I, unbelievable. I, I, dude, like everywhere's in in America is like the, the weed culture is changing everywhere's in America except for Texas. But man, I just, I, lo I love Texas so much. Like, I, I moved just as far as Louisiana, and my whole time I was living there, I was like, man, I got to get back to Texas, man. I'm a fucking well, Texas boy. Texas do you live? Where, where, where do you live? We live in uh, southeast Texas, but no, like, basically east Texas. It's known to the rest of the world, the east Texas. It's only known to southeast Texas to us, you know. <laughs> east Texas, where, is that where the... It's like, it's like near Beaumont. Like near Beaumont and Orange. We're like an hour away from Houston. Did you get hit by that hurricane? Oh, yeah. That's the whole reason. One of the whole reasons why I moved to uh, Harvey. I moved to Louisiana was because of Harvey. Yeah, like I was... Uh, okay. I didn't have a lot of places to stay. And uh, Texas had gone to shit because of the storm. And everybody was having hard times. I wasn't trying to add to their struggle by sleeping on their yeah. couches and shit. Yeah, in fact, one of our co-hosts is still uh, rebuilding his... Like, his house still has uh, no uh, walls in it. And he's like... It's like camping out in a, his house because he's still... Uh, Unrepaired, he never got any funds or nothing. So, man, Harvey's one of the like I know like uh, there's been way worse natural disasters than Harvey, but like Harvey is the worst natural disaster that I ever experienced, and man, it was crazy. Like that's like, gotta be yeah, terrible, man. I, was, I mean, I have friends in Houston, um, but yeah, I mean that got hit too. But like, the, it sounds like you were right there in the eye of the storm, right? Oh the, yeah, the, we the, actually the, got. Um, I think we got about ten extra inches than Houston did. And it was basically, yeah. it was mainly because it wasn't even the storm. Is what happened was uh, these damn, uh, the damn people, <laughs> the people that. The damn, damn people. The, the damn, damn your people. Levy, your levy didn't hold, right? I mean, that's. Well, that's no, the they, they, well, they released it. They just opened it. They yeah, opened it. I guess to make sure it doesn't break, they just straight up opened it. Yeah, see, because that's the problem is that they don't want to fix the infrastructure, so they, those things are weak. I mean, they, they have modern levees that they don't have to do that. Like, they build them in Holland. We're not even close. This is like, you're talking about 1930s technology. Yeah. I think that's, uh, after Harvey, I think I've seen some stuff about that online. Like, if we had these levies, you know, we wouldn't be in this situation, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, because, you know, like, Holland has the best dams because they're underwater. I mean, if they didn't have those dams, there wouldn't be a country. Yeah. So, you know. So you'd be you damn, <laughs> damn sure that those are some good dams, you know. Yeah, they have the best dams, and also they're very efficient people, so, you know, they really, you know, upgraded. So, I mean, if they just put a little cash into that, we could actually, fix, you know, the country could fix that stuff. I just don't think people are we're more concerned about other stuff right now. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, it is so what it actually, is. Uh, so, actually, uh, the biggest part of why we wanted Keenan on this particular episode with you, Mr. Marandino. Yeah. Is because he, he's a huge SLC Punk fan. He grew up on that stuff. Oh. His uh, 
His brother cries at the scene that Bob dies because Keenan always looked like Bob. Always, I was always close to Bob. Like, uh, not uh, like not so much in appearance, except for I, of course, I had many mohawks. Uh, but no, it's just like my brother refused to. Like, I was so much like Bob after seeing the ending once. My brother could never watch it again because he said it's like seeing me laying there dead and stuff like that. So, and, I mean, so when you actually die, am I going to get, like, shocked <laughs> by your brother? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to give my brother your contact info just because, just like, I want to see that play out, you know? <laughs> I'll, play, I'll come to the funeral, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be laying there in a green army jacket with a black mohawk, you know, just, like, with a yeah. dead look in my eye. Man, I've heard oh, so much stuff about that scene. Like, the, like it, it, it's true that, that uh, Matthew Lillard, that was all, uh, that was all, on the spot, there was no script. Like he came up with all that on his own, ad lib. Uh, well, yeah, he, we I put him in a situation where I, I mean, he, I just told him to sit there and look at and think about it, and then they rolled for ten minutes, and um, you know, he started to really re react. I mean, he was friends with Michael, and he started to imagine that Mike was dead. And I just had a scene with him where he yelled at Mike when Matthew's not a, but you know, he's a really nice guy. He doesn't get mad. Yeah. So. He, I kind of he was off balance, and then when he did that scene, he was really he, did, he, was, he was genuinely emotional. He, was, he really went there, so that was his reaction. That's how he felt. That was that's to this day. That's still some of the greatest acting I've ever seen in my life. Was just Matthew yeah, Lillard really leaning over the body. You know, I'm not ready for this. Like I'm like, yeah. uh, if I watched that scene it, right now, it'd be like the two millionth time I've watched that scene, and still be like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone was after the scene was done. Everyone was crying about. I mean, all the, everyone was crying. Uh, the DP, the grips, everybody was. Uh, yeah, I mean, the DP even couldn't look through the lens because it was all wet. It was like from, from crying. I was downstairs watching the monitor and the uh, you know the wardrobe and everybody was crying. I was laughing because I was thinking like, my God, it's a great scene. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, people might miss it, like, if you, if I seen that, that scene now, I'd probably start laughing for the same exact reason, and, uh, people would misjudge that, but like, what are you laughing, this, you asshole, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking to myself, I was selfish, I was thinking, like, this is gonna go in the movie, man, it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> man, so, uh. Like, what prompted you to write SLC Punk? Like, you grew up in the punk scene, and you were, was that, uh, any of that from your life directly? Yeah, I mean, I, there was a, I'm not sure, I mean, I'm not going to own the punk scene in Salt Lake in any way. I was just going to, I, I do a lot of movies about outsiders, and, and I thought, like, you know, no one had ever, at the time, I thought, at, at that time, in the late 90s, you know, people didn't really remember punks or weren't talking about punks or whatever. Oh, and I know. I was thinking, you know, these people don't know. Like they, and I was, kept seeing movies where they show punks being like the thugs, the white thugs, you know, the guys that like with knives that, you know, hold people up. And I'm like, none of those guys were like that. Oh, I know. So I, thought I'd, I thought I'd write a movie about it, you know, being coming from Salt Lake City and knowing punks and having gone to a lot of punk shows and I having personal experiences so I wrote what I thought was a representation of how these guys really were not a, not a documentary but just a you know a, a, sort of a point of view yeah. and it was really for baby boomers to, to say like here this is what what it was and so now shut up you know <laughs> and stop like judging and uh, it turns out that I, the audience didn't I didn't 
anticipating that punks were going to watch it and say, hey, fucker, you know, don't talk for us. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's just the punk rock state of mind, there's a lot of elitists and, and, uh, and, uh, there's another word a friend of mine used, and, and it seemed very uh, uh, appropriate, but I can't remember it. Uh, gatekeepers. There's a lot of elitists and gatekeepers. Like, they don't want anyone else yeah. in their punk scene. So they, they, they try. Yeah, and it's like that. You know, they they watch that film, and, and you know, they just, they're, they're all, all around dicks most of the time. You know? <laughs> all around dicks? Yeah, but I mean, even if, like, now you talk about it, and I keep thinking, like, okay, it's become more, the movie grew into, like, it's like everything else with punk, if it gets old, like, people start to like it. But, I mean, even the people that are still critical of it, I feel like, it's like, well, that's what punk man is proposing. And I think, like, what do you, that movie's 20 years old, man, what are you talking about? I mean, like, that's like, he's, like, saying, I don't know, like, in the, like, it was 1990, when I started making movies, if I said, oh, yeah, well, the graduates for posers, because it was 20 years ago. I mean, who would think, I think people would think I was crazy. You yeah, know? I mean, like, for the first what, time. Uh, you know, it's like, that's an old, that's a movie, that's like, that movie's like a pretty old movie. So, I don't know. I mean, that's, that, so whatever, right? those guys, if some punks, or whatever punks, whatever that means, I always thought that the movie, that that particular, no one owns that, and it's pretty much, was meant to, to include everybody. So, uh, that that's what I thought. And, and if, the gatekeepers, as you say, think that it's somehow not re- correctly representative. What is representative of, of their their particular scene? I don't know what that is. You know, I, I, like I don't know. I thought it. I thought it was spot on. I thought you hit the nail on the head. And you know, uh, of course, uh, the punk culture and the punk scene that I know was like a revival of the punk scene. You know, some thirty years later in the early two thousands and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. You know, and I, yeah, I thought it was spot on. I thought that's exactly how we did it. That's exactly how shows were. Would you say that uh, SLC Punk is a cult classic amongst that group? Uh, yeah, man, dude. Like, I, I every punk I've come across loves the show. You know, and it's like, uh, what's what's ironic is it's it's a cautionary tale. Like every punk goes down that same road, and every every punk says they're not going to go down that road, and they go down that road. You can't grow up and be a punk and also go out and get a job and stuff like that. Like you, you got, you yeah. gotta, you gotta sell out. At a certain age, you gotta sell out. Like I spent my whole life trying not to sell out, and that's why I'm 30 working at a fast food restaurant. You know. Okay. Well, here's here's the thing though that some people miss that I maybe maybe I, mean, I don't really usually talk about it, but because it, it's not very popular. But the movie in a little has a little bit of a um, comment about class, um, where I, it's a bit I'm a bit cynical, or, or it, it's just my nature. It's a little. And it, and it's, it goes over. It's gone over a lot of people's heads. But that Steve-O is a rich kid, yeah, right. So so he's he's a, basically a tourist. I mean he he he's he's pretending he's doing this whole gutter punk thing. But in the end, he has the option to go to Harvard because his dad's rich. Man, I thought right? about that. Whereas Bob's Bob's dad lives in a shack. So like he's he's like legitimately like poor, right? So he has no options. That's why it's his home. And so there's this idea that well that guy stays there and he dies and the rich kid goes to Harvard. I mean it's like to me it's like that's that's class in this country is the real issue. Our differences aren't so much about black or white or Republican or Democrat or all this stuff, punks or country western or whatever. All that shit's bullshit. 
The real truth is that what makes us different are rich and poor. You know, the people who have money can do whatever the fuck they want, and the people who don't have money are stuck. That, that's what that movie ultimately is about. Yeah, I, me- I remember thinking about that. Like, you know, a lot of those thoughts came to mind. Like, uh, you know, uh, both Steve-O and Bob, apparently they went to college, but they did it to fuck the system. And I was like, man, I could- yeah. I couldn't couldn't have gone to college, you know. I dropped out and shit, and and they 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 don't want to get a job, but they stay in this house, and it's all wrecked and shit. But somebody's paying for that house, and I, I've always speculated. It's like I bet you, Steve-O's dad pays the bills for that house. Yeah, of course, it's Steve-O's dad paying for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like, dude, uh, I remember growing up and you know, like, uh, uh, hanging out with a lot of gutter punks and crusties on the streets, and they're like, man, we don't. Wish we had a house like that. I was like, yeah, but you know, yeah. our dad isn't rich, so like we got to literally squat. Yeah, and that's this. why in the end, when people ask me why did Steve admit to being a poser, because he's a poser, man. Because he doesn't have to ever. He doesn't have to be a gutter punk. That's not. He was posing. He. It's not. Life did not put him in a situation where he has to stay there. You know, I feel like I've subliminally thought that, but never actually consciously acknowledged that, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's why sometimes I try to say, like, look, I try to be, like, it's not, it's hard to be, like, like I wasn't, I was being really critical of that, and sometimes people felt like, well, you were, how would you be, because I also, Millard makes, I made him likable, and it, and it's a person you're supposed to relate to, so why would I criticize him in a movie, and it's like, that's where... I become problematic in, in what I do is that I will take a character and make you like them and then later on realize that maybe though it's not totally perfect. Yeah, see, uh, my thoughts, t- I always had this, uh, like I said earlier about the you can't grow up without selling out. That's always what I thought about uh, at, the end, at the end of the movie when he says those final lines. Uh, like I said, that's, that's, that's how I, uh, that was my perspective of it. That, like you can't grow up and uh, if you, if you if you, as soon as you grow up, you know, if you, you do the responsible thing and you hang up your punk rock lifestyle and, and the fucking the gutter punk lifestyle and you go out and you get a job and you try to put your life together, then that's you selling out as a punk. And if you're selling out now, then you were never a punk to begin with and you were always a poser. But everyone has yeah. to do that. So I guess that we're, at the end, we're nothing more than a bunch of goddamn trendy-ass posers, you know? Yeah, everybody's poser. Yeah, oh, yeah. Everybody's poser. And see, that's why I can't stand the gatekeeper elitist lifestyle or uh, point of view of uh, many, many punks have that point of view. I'm more hardcore than you. You know, everyone's more hardcore than the next person, and it's all a bunch of bullshit. Well, but, that's you know? definitely, but that would be my definition. And in the old days, that's the definition of a poser is somebody who owns it, who thinks the punk is there. Then that's the point. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, like they wrote the punk rock handbook. If you're missing the joke, then you're not, then you're missing everything. Like if you don't get it, like if you think it's some kind of elitist movement about us and men, if you get too tribal and too, you know, know, that that's lame. That's like you know, I mean. Then, be able to, and and like, that's how it dies you. up. Whenever you like a bunch of punks act like they don't want any more new punk. hypocrisy because then yeah yeah because then it's no longer about, about punk rock and being and a, um, freedom and all what that. the uh, fucking yeah. anarchist anarchy yeah it's like the no opposite rules. of anarchy it's supposed to be no rules yeah like, and, they, and no rules they got a whole list of rules for their no rule lifestyle you know. And, yeah, and, no, and no rules. That's, that's no, 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 you know, no buying into any of the bullshit. No buying into like, I mean, I knew a guy that that, that would go to thrift stores and buy clothes and tear off the label, you know, because he didn't want to advertise. I mean, I mean, like whatever you want to do, you know, like that's the thing. I, it, but I mean, it's 
if you start, I uh, when I first showed the movie, um, there was this punk band that went on stage. That, it was at the premiere, and some and one of the one of the, the students, I don't know how this band got hired, but they got hired to play the post show. And right before they went on, I was supposed to introduce them. I didn't know who they were. They were called Freebird, I think. And yeah, it's called Freebird. And they they said to me, you know, I was offended. This guy with really long hair and a t-shirt, and and, and it says to me, uh, he's the guitarist. He says, you know, that movie's offensive because we take punk really seriously, and uh, <laughs> they're making fun of punk. And, and I like I said, you know, I can't introduce you, man. Like I honestly, like you. And so I got Blank Dahlia from the Dwarves to to introduce them for me, uh, and. Man, he was, it was horrible. He went up on stage and he said, so, okay, so, so now that we watched that poser, dumbass, piece of shit movie, now we're going to have a real punk band show. It's what punk's really all about. So everybody give it up for, for free turd. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and, and I thought that was one of the best introductions you could have, right? Black guy, you know, giving you shit. That's a punk introduction. And they wouldn't cut, they wouldn't play. Oh, yeah, because they got butthurt. Oh, no. You didn't make them out to be tough enough, you know? That's the whole point. It's like stirring shit up. Like, if you, if somebody, if I were that fan, like, Black Dahlia just took me totally bust my ball. I got to play now. Come on. (laughs) Well, see, well, that's why there's not a massive punk scene now. I mean, all these elitists telling other people that they're not punk enough to be punk. Until next thing you know, you don't have any uh, any punks, and then they're like, "Well, how did this happen? You're why this happened, asshole!" You yeah, know? they all went to uh, emo emonism. Yeah, you know. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it's, it's like it's just a good time in the end. Really. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, wait. I, I mean, honestly, like that's what I was just saying. The original movie was really trying to say to baby boomers, you know, like our parents, my parents. This is what we were doing. This is what it was all about, and you guys fucked this up. That was it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, I see, and then you got like, uh, and now only rich people can go see punk shows because uh, punk's not dead, but it's doing uh, cruises. <laughs> but it's doing cruises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you know, I, I do. Miss, I miss the punk lifestyle, you know. So um, yeah, but I, mean, I don't like it's an attitude anyway. So I don't. I think you know. I mean, just you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a punk. I just. I'm always weird, you know. So. So I get along with whoever's weird at the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's why, you know, I was, I was okay. I mean, because the only thing was in the 80s when I was going to high school, late 80s, was that I was, um, I was weird. I was definitely considered weird. I got my ass kicked all the time. So just because I, I looked weird, I talked weird. And the only people that didn't give me a hard time were punk. So that's why. You know, and that should have, I don't know why, the, how that changed. Because it was never about being a hard ass or, I don't know. Uh, a criminal. Yeah, <laughs> a criminal or, or, or about being even elitist. You know, it was pretty much like, oh, you're weird. Come hang out with us. Don't worry about those guys. That was it. Yeah. You know, like that. I mean, that was in Utah. And, you know, it's pretty conservative and pretty, you know, they're, they're pretty rigid. And then these punks are like, we don't give a shit what you are. Come hang with us. Yeah, I mean, so, I met, uh, I met like, you know, crews of uh, groups of punks that are like exactly what you're talking about, and I met groups of punks that are the elitist, and it's just uh, some people actually understand the the culture of punk, and some people 
think they understand it. <laughs> well, that's like what happened with that straight edge movement. Like, like Ian McKay even criticizes it a lot that the, the straight edge movement became almost like a gang. Like, like Mormons are attracted to it because you know you don't drink, you don't smoke, all that shit. They, they yeah, no sex, like, drugs, or violence. Abortion clinics and stuff, and, and it's just like Ian was like, "Listen, I was a straight edge because I just don't. I just never wanted to drink. It wasn't because I was judging anyone." And the music's and terrible. The, <laughs> and it became, like, the straight-edge thing just became like, just like, you guys are the worst. Like, just knock it off, man. I mean, like, the point isn't the judge. The point is, is that everyone gave him shit, Ian, for not drinking. So he was like, look, I'm sorry, I'm lame, I don't drink, so, so what? Like, that was all, you know? And then it became, like, this weird Nazi thing. Like, you know, we don't drink. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're vegans. We're brutal. Yeah. Ve we're tough vegans. <laughs> oh, yeah. The straight edge thing caught on really big in, in the hardcore metal movement, you know? So they, you got these tough guys that are, like, singing really angry music with breakdowns, and but they're like, you know... Gatorade! Yeah, we're tough because <laughs> we don't eat meat or drink alcohol or smoke. That's why we're tough. <laughs> There's an element to it that's so hardcore that you don't drink or smoke because it's almost like you're fashion, right? Like, that's the idea. Like, you're like, I'm I'm sober, man. I'm real. I'm here. I'm, I'm like, I'm hardcore. I, I don't need to kill the pain. I don't know what the hell they think, but yeah. it's just, like, you know, it's just a preference. I don't, people are, I, I don't know what other countries are like, but in the United States, people are really crazy with their tribe, man. Oh, yeah. Like, you gotta, you gotta stop. Like, you know, like, just, or maybe we just need fifty different countries. I don't know. Like, it's just how crazy. does uh, how does tribalism even form? You think? Like, why does it I form? Well, want to belong, and I think that in this country, that it's like so big, it's so big, so much bigger than almost any other country. That it's like, I mean, it's the biggest free country in the world. So people get scared and they want to belong to something, so they start to structure these little groups that that they can fit in and and, and become little nations of their own. That's what happens in a free space. People that, that create well little, <laughs> yeah. little country. Yeah, I agree with that. That was, that was very well said. I think that's exactly what's going on. I mean, even I can associate, I can uh, relate to that. You know, that's why I enjoyed punk rock. That's why I enjoyed the culture and the lifestyle and the niche, you know, just having my own group of people. And we're all the same and it's just like us against the world kind of thing, you know. Well, I mean, you think about it, though. I mean, in this in America, I mean, if you don't, I mean, you're pretty free and to the point to where you're cut loose. If you don't, like, if you don't really try to belong to anything, you're you're totally cut loose. I mean, if you grow up like I went to school in Italy. Now, everybody in, in Italy, went, all the guys have to go and do the army for a year, right? So they all have that in common. They also like, you know, I mean, like everything, like, and it's a smaller country, so like, you know, you have your like, also you have your very extended families and your neighborhoods, and I mean, it's all very intact, so, so you don't really need to be so tribal. Um, you know, you're all Italian. In America, it's just huge, and there's so many different everything, you know, that, that, that I think that it gets, it's pretty, it causes a lot of anxiety, because there's no structure. And on a general, so, like, it, unless there's a massive disaster where thousands are brutally murdered, we kind of never well, really come together. together. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, 
the only time we come together in a, a whole as Americans is when, like, you know, like I said, they're, they're, because we're obsessed with we're obsessed with having an enemy, and when a natural disaster happens or something happens, we can then all we can all have one enemy collectively. Yeah, damn when, you, Harbor. But when that's over, Harvey. Pearl Harbor, one of these kinds of events that makes everyone momentarily say, well, we have the same agenda. We want to kick the shit out of who did this. Yeah, that, exactly. That, 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 Cuts a couple years later. My tribe's better than yours. <laughs> yeah, then, then, it, then it devolves into just, I don't know, petty. And then it gets really exciting. I mean, I, I'm, I don't like it. I, I honestly think, you know, we could all just be fine. I, I don't know. But... I don't need a tribe. I'm okay. You know, I'm okay like just hanging out. You don't need a tribe? <laughs> yeah, like my, my my tribe, for lack of a better word, right now consists of uh, two people, Adam and Timmy. That's no, my I've tribe. Been, I've been I've been applying to tribes. You know, I've been, I've getting, been applying. The I've tribes. been getting applications and sending them in. Yeah, <laughs> I applied to the country tribe and the Easy Core tribe and the emo tribe. I haven't had any uh, words back yet, but you know, I mean, I've got one or two rejection letters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't. I, 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 yeah. So I guess that. I mean, that's. I mean, that's the point. I mean, I think that you know, I, I think America. I think this country is great. I just think that that's sort of byproduct. I think, and I think people really don't understand it. And I think that's why some people like there's less. I think that's the reason why there's so many shootings in high schools and that kind of mass murder stuff is because you find that people are cut loose from structure. It's not because guns are legal and not legal. I think it's because they know it. some people can really get lost in the cracks in this country because it's just so goddamn big. They just think that they get like, they get depersonalized and they just sort of, they want to, I don't know, they lash out. I think that, that's what, because, you know, the laws are the same in Canada about guns and, and, and they don't do that up there. Yeah, and, and so, like this didn't ha always be like that. Like laws used on guns used to be more relaxed, and then that, I'm not saying it's the gun laws. Like you say, I'm not saying whether it's here or there with the gun laws. But this wasn't always the case in America. Just one day, they're, they're just ban school shootings all the time now. You know, like and well, uh, cut to a couple of years, I'm decades ago, about, that like, wasn't after the case. World War II, the country was pretty united, and then as it slowly the 60s came and eroded and all that stuff eroded you started seeing this kind of thing happen and as it got more populated and people became went to their corners then people started losing then people start like in, you know like weirdo that's why you need movement punk movements to be that open because if those kids that go in shooting just ended up hanging out with a bunch of punks they wouldn't have done that oh yeah I always like because because uh, SLC Punk came out the very same day I was in Colorado premiering SSC Punk, and the next day was Columbine. And I just kept, and so I was in Austin doing an interview, and they asked me what I thought about that because of SSC Punk, and I said, well, if those guys had been able to maybe just hang out with Punk, who maybe, maybe, you know, like that scene would have been maybe like a bit of a, I could imagine that those kids might not have done that. I don't think it's about, I mean, like, you know, you could say gun control, but, I mean, I, I'm not like Mr. Genere or anything like that, but I don't think the gun control is, is, is going to change. No, see, that. like, I don't think it's either way. Like, uh, I don't think there should be no... I don't think there should be, you know, no laws on guns. I don't think there should be too many laws on guns. And I, like you said, I think it's a completely separate topic. Like, but, you know, if guns were extremely illegal, the kid that wanted to shoot up the school... If he really wanted to, if he had it in his head, if he was determined to shoot up the school, he'd go and find a gun. 
Now, well, like, I've done something. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, just, I mean the point is that that's, you know, a symptom, I guess, you know, the tools. Um, 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 I, mean, I mean, I guess it's harder to get tools, maybe, but I mean, you know, heroin is totally illegal in this country. I can't help it. I mean, I can't help thinking this way. Heroin is 100% illegal, yet it's a really popular drug. Yeah, yeah, same thing, well, yeah. It's, it's, and so especially with 3D printers, like, 3D printers now, you can just print yourself a gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't, right, I don't see how, I mean, I mean, again, like, maybe it's common sense. I, I don't know, I just, I just, when I, I have to look at the problem from a more pragmatic way of, of you know, why, why, why are people, why are these, like, sort of beta males, why do they do that shit? You yeah, know? And, yeah. And I, I try to understand them, not so much what, their ability to get the gun, but more like why are why are we doing that? Yeah, it's why they're shooting yeah, up the school, your, not what, yeah. How. What's your drive in the first place to want to do this? Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter how we got it done. Ask, you need to ask those kids. I mean, you need to listen to those kids and say why why is it happening? Not 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 how did he do it? We know how he did it. We know that the gun was legally got or not legally got. It doesn't matter. Like how, why why did he do it? Not because he didn't do it because guns were easy to get. That's not the reason why he did it. Yeah. That's not the reason why they do that shit. That's not that's that's a that, that's a, a means to, to to accomplish something. There's a reason why. I mean, we don't know. I I think there's a reason why, and I think that it, and it's and it's and it's pretty it's pretty unique to the United States. Because yeah, like, we're not the only country with lax gun laws. We're not the only country. I've never actually. I'm sure it's happened before, but I've never actually heard any news article or internet. Uh, News over a gun, sh- uh, a school shooting in any other country ever. Well, every country has their own weird little thing. I think. Well, there was like I mean, in Nor- Norway, that guy was pretty horrible. He killed all those kids on that island. That never happened before in Norway. And then there was in Canada, there was that original shooting, which was that song, the Boomtown Rats, called um, "I Don't Like Mondays." I think it was about that kid that shot those kids at, at school in Canada. It's not as much as here, though. I mean, here it's like. Every, Every once a month or something once, like that. Once a month, yeah. Like it's it's like that's when it happens in another country. It's like whoa. So I mean, it's not like it doesn't happen. Obviously, these instincts exist. It, I mean, before this was like these kinds of things were a problem. Like in the 18th century or 19th century, when life really didn't matter that much, there were serial killers. They just no one cared, you know. Yeah. <laughs> unless somebody unless somebody rich got killed, no one gave a shit. <laughs> That's why there's movies about that one crackpot detective that wants to solve the case, and everyone else is like, "Oh my God, we don't care." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. Everyone, bodies are dropping like flies. Can we move on? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, and, and what? <laughs> yeah, people yes. are dying. I mean, cause also people, you know, like, you know, didn't live very long anyway. And, so, and that's mean, why, like, no one caught Jack the Ripper. No one tried to catch Jack the Ripper. I know, yeah, they, well, wanted, they wanted smaller yeah, lines at Disney World. So it's hard to really... Those women were dying of consumption in bigger numbers than being killed like that. So they just didn't care. Yeah. There's, there, like, laws weren't that... I mean, and then before even then, like, in the 16th century, like, there really weren't laws protecting regular people. There were laws protecting the king and, 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 and those people. Yeah. You know, like... It, like, if peasants wanted to kill each other, that was fine. You know, like, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then cut to a little bit later, you know, like, I, I remember gangs in New York uh, was talked about how, you know, all the cops were there for was to protect the rich from the poor. They didn't care what the poor did to each other, you know. 
And yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I mean, like that. It's a it's a recent thing that we care about like poor people. Yeah, you know, and what to do. That's pretty recent. <laughs> I mean, even like in the from nineteen twenty one, I was doing seeing a documentary about the Tulsa riots, where um, there was a, 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 a African American community became very wealthy, and the the local clans people decided to kill them all. And so it ended up with like planes dropping bombs on the neighborhood, and like I mean, and and literally there on the books it said there was actually no actual law that said you can't kill a black person. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> actually got in trouble for that, except for the few black people that tried to protect their homes with guns. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> this country definitely has some fucked up shit with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no law against it. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, like, I don't even have to comment on that. That, yeah, that says up, er up, all, everything look, in itself. Look, look up the Tulsa, Tulsa lynching. It's like they don't teach in history. Man, that is crazy what happened. Uh, crazy. Yeah, the riot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. It was pretty one-sided. It was pretty much white guys killing black people at this. <laughs> that oh, was, that's funny. <laughs> so, Damn, that's crazy. They, they were rich, so they said, like, we're going to end this neighborhood, and they did. They were successfully did it. They, mm. they, 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 they cleared out the whole neighborhood, burned down all the houses and all the businesses. First, they stole everything, and then they, and then they burned everything down. Damn it. And they completely got away with it? No charges? No uh, consequences? That's, that's they they considered the real bad guys are the black people, and the news because the newspapers were behind the whole thing in the first place. Yeah, and uh, weird so, things weird things like that have happened uh, in a lot of places. And actually, uh, you know, the, I guess the Tulsa ones, the you know, obviously the most famous one, our infamous one, I should say. But uh, like, I mean, we had that yeah. we have uh, like really old people that would tell us stories about. Uh, something that happened in this area that was very similar. Oh yeah, man! Uh, in this area and the, uh, the small town that we live in called Viter, uh, they actually tried to like. Pay... Viter, you're near Viter, Texas. Yeah, we're actually, we're in Viter, Texas, right now. Yeah. No, look, look, you heard he's heard of it. You know, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So the main chapter of the the Texas clans come out of Viter. Yeah. No. Or no, they, no, no. It used to. No. But, no, 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 that was... Uh, Adam's getting offensive. No, I'm just, no, because, because... No, no. No, because like many things in history, shit skewed. Yeah, like, it, it's not like the, the, the one main clan, but the, like, you no, know... But the, the clan, the, these clan people actually lived in a town near Vider, but they, uh -huh. but Vider, they had, they used to have these, uh, they, well, they still do, they have like these big parades once a year or whatever. And uh, I guess whatever clan that was paid to have a uh, float in that parade, and ever since then, that's been the the biggest rumor about that. Oh yeah. Thin blue line. No. Well, you should because it's about a guy who goes to jail in Texas, in Dallas, Texas, for a murder. It was really committed by a guy from Viter, Texas. That sounds. Oh, familiar. have you have you seen uh, Three Billboards? Yeah. That's yeah. about Vider. Yeah. Is that about the, the murder? Yes. The Karen, the, about, the, about the guy that killed his wife. Was it Karen Page or Kelly yeah, Page? Yeah, yeah, Kelly Page. Yeah. Oh, man, my mom, like, knew that yeah, chick he, and stuff. But, that helped him, yeah. Well, the documentary is about, like, this guy from Vider. They go to Vider. They interview the, the, the sheriff at Vider. Like, like, 
that's why I know about Viator, Texas. It's oh. a very famous documentary. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, like, I totally believe that that dude, like, straight up covered up that murder, that the sheriff took a bribe. Just the, well, he's, the, talking, the, he's talking about a separate murder. Oh, is he? Never yeah. mind. I, I'm talking out my ass about some other shit then. It was the it was the Dallas it was the Dallas people people in Dallas were covering up for the kid and inviter. The actual the sheriff inviter was the only guy that was saying this kid is probably the guy that did the murder. He killed a cop, Damn. but they wanted to put it on a drifter because they didn't want to fuck with this kid because he was a he was a nice kid. So he ended up killing a bunch of other people and ended up on death row. And he had been guilty the whole time. And this guy, this, actually the sheriff provider, was the only cool guy in the whole the whole police force. The <laughs> Damn. What a twist. Yeah, you should check it out. <laughs> Thin Blue Line, favorite documentary filmmaker. Uh, it, you good. said it's called Thin Blue Line? Thin Blue Line. That's pretty cool. And yeah, I'm definitely, definitely checking it out. Right? Yeah, it's crazy that, like, you know... I, most time it's for negative shit, but it's still always crazy to me when our little town gets put on the map, you know, gets a, a like, it's spoken about by the rest of the world, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got a good sense of, because he interviews people that live in Vider, and, and I got a good, I mean, they seem like really sweet people. I, and you'll see it in the documentary. Like, he says, well, I, I knew that guy, but shucks, you know, I, I feel like well, I've done something wrong, but that guy's crazy. Yeah, like, these are the guys from Vider. It's pretty oh, funny. It's pretty yeah, funny. like... I don't have the best opinion of Viter, to, to say the least. Uh, man, Viter's pretty fucked up, dude. Like, you can't walk down the road and Viter barefooted in fear of stepping on a used needle or, or broken meth pipe. Oh, wow. It's got bad like that, huh? Yeah. yeah. Always well, wear your shoes. I think that's all small towns. I think Tim, uh, Timmy here, he used to live in another small town. He said the drugs are bad. Um, yeah. I guess yeah, it, I grew up in a small. I haven't been to a small town in a while, but I'm because I, I, I used to be like all you know, all you know, church going folk. But I guess that's gone south. Well, like you know, the the, the general community of Vider is all like. Go, I, I guess he's right about like, and every town, small or large, has its own underworld. You know, and there's. Yeah. You know, on the surface, you have, the, of course, normal community, uh, church-going folk and just normal, hard-working people. But then, like, yeah. I feel like the underworld of Viter uh, oversizes the actual normal community, like, tenfold, you know. That'd see, be an interesting story to tell. Listen, I live, I live right now, I live in Harlem, and people say a lot of shit about Harlem, but I'll tell you, there's more churches in Harlem than there is in all of Texas. This town is like, I mean, Harlem, like, that, there's a lot of people going to church in Harlem. I have, like, there's, like, four churches on my block. Dang. Dang. Yeah, like, I, I feel that they're way all Baptist, about Viter. They're all Baptist church. All Baptist. Oh. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think, uh, I think Viter, uh, at one point we were in the top five, uh, with, uh, uh towns in Texas with the most churches, so... <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, there's okay, one on every so, block. So it's gone, it's gone to the devil then down there in Vider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic because it, it, you know, Vider used to be a dry county, and when you come by alcohol in Vider, and then one day that changed. You know, we want to make it a wet county, but then like you know, no one could be like everywhere you go, you're next to a school or a church. So it, it, it complicated the whole thing, but they worked it out. And now you can buy a beer in Vider. <laughs> Okay. Oh, it's too bad. I mean, like, cause I, I mean, like, this, I like these small towns. I don't mind going. To, I mean, I used to be terrified because when I was younger, I just get my ass kicked. No matter any small town, I was going to get beat up, right? I mean, that's going to happen. 
But now that I'm older, it's okay. I don't get so much shit. Oh man, when I when I first moved to Biter, uh, I swear, like, uh, I got punched in the face for being new to Biter. You know, like I came out of corner store and some dude just oh. right hooked me out of nowhere. You know, and then ran off. You know, and <laughs> like I was screaming, like, "What the fuck? You, you gonna punch me, Raw? You pussy, come back!" Oh, he fucking came back. You know, <laughs> he came back, and I was like, oh, I guess that is uh, where I thought this would go." And then the cops pulled up, and I was glad too, because I was about to fight this motherfucker. But damn it, I didn't want to. And you know, <laughs> and then the cops showed up, and I was like, "Oh, well, I guess that's better than what was about to happen." <laughs> and dude, that that was like week one inviter. And then every time I went to, you know, like I was a punk, you know, I loved to drink, I loved to smoke, and at the time I'd do any drug that was put in front of me. And uh, so I'd like to, I like to go to parties, but I didn't know anybody. So every party I was at, I was at, you know, filled with nothing but strangers. And dude, I got into a fight every fucking party I went to until I just stopped partying. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one way to stop. But I mean, that's terrible, though. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Like, what? I, I, I don't understand that. So, well, I mean, like, well, I, you, you know, can imagine like that. Sometimes a little more friendly. It just depends. I don't know. It, it, it's just weird because, like, I've been to small towns where like everyone's really nice. And then yes, you can go to like small towns where like guys are gonna, you know, they're gonna like, be like, what the hell are you doing? What stranger? Like stranger, everyone has a chip on their car. shoulder. Yeah. To, to be fair, where you were was like a backwoods. Oh yeah, like next to the bad apartments type of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's just and yeah, like uh, where I got punched in the face was like, like in a bad part of town, and every single person's house that I went to go party to just so out happened to be like the freaking uh, lieutenant in the Aryan Brotherhood or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm a I'm a punk rock who, who's like you know like all about like freedom and you know and uh, like. Uh, you know, like, punk's about, like, you know, just anti-isms, you know, just anti-sexism, anti-racism, yeah, anti- like a modern hippie. You know? Yeah, 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 and, and and these are, like, you know, like, and I'm like, you know, fuck racism, and I tell them, tell it to them yeah. to their face, and they'll be like, you know, and it just start fights, you know? What's weird, though, this brings us back, this brings us back to the, uh, to the tribe mentality, because a lot of these guys, I mean, we have a friend, uh, our friend Timmy right here, he's, he's black, and he... He like, oh well, he's black, but he, but he hangs out with, he'll hang out with the, uh, the uh, AB guys. Like yeah. they'll, they'll sit no, there, I'll dude. Go, I'll they'll go straight up to, to the compound. And hang like out he'll, with he'll, them. they'll buy them. Like they all respect me because I don't give a fuck. They'll uh, buy them shit and they'll like sit down and drink coffee with them. It's like yeah. the AB stuff is just all a front. Like all this racism shit oh, is yeah. just to fit in. And all the Aryan Brotherhood does is they, they fight each other. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I suspected that. I even have a script about a Trumpian brother. Anyway, yeah. So, so what do you say? So your black friend down there hangs out with the Aryan brothers. That is that. Come on, man. That's got to be in a movie. Oh, uh, there, there's a, there's this other smaller group. Uh, like, I don't even feel like saying their name on... on yeah, don't do it. Yeah, I'm not going to... There's another smaller white supremacist gang, and they got a Mexican in their gang, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's just like you know just, he, he got, there isn't a real ethos it's just tribal it, yeah it, yeah it, 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 oh dude it, while I was in jail I met a black dude with a swastika on it uh, he had a swastika tattoo <laughs> and he, he's all AB a- and everything and, and this dude was like one of those dark black guys like really oh like I could barely see the swastika tattoo on him <laughs> oh <my laughs> yeah. God. yeah and oh man uh, and he, what did he think though like if you like, like what 
What are you, dude? Are you like a black Nazi? He he was, dude, and he hung out with all the white pride people with the with the swastikas and the lightning bolts, you know. It's because it's all fake. Like, you do what you got to do to survive. I mean, like that's. I honestly think that I think you're right. I think that many people don't understand that 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 Aryan Brotherhood stuff down there is more about just partying and having people to be able to hang out with than anything else. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are overreacting to it. Like, like it's not really like they're not really going to change the country into like Nazis. They're going to kill six million Jews. Right. Yeah, no, like, if you give them an opportunity, they'll be like, no, we'd rather just sell meth. Where they do to, like, a, I mean, like, when I've introduced, when I've seen, a, like, a, one of those neo-Nazis actually hang out with, like, some Jewish friends of mine, they're suddenly like, oh, no, hey! <laughs> <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> good! <laughs> it's just so weird, you know, it's, it's, it's probably weirder for, like, uh, like a mainstream media or news or something to see something like that and be able to comprehend what's going on. <laughs> it's just that, like we've been saying, you know, it's all all tribalism and just, you know, it's not, it's all it's all front, it's all fake. Yes, yeah, it's, it's posing. They're all, everyone's, all those groups are a bunch, bunch of posers, man. I, 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 that was my point. Like, also, like, just the idea that, you know, we have these gangs, they hang out and because, like, uh, you know, it's a way to stand out. It's a way to be different. It's a way to be interesting. You know, uh, you know, that's, like that's all. I mean, like, because <laughs> because in, in reality, you know, if you're not like an, I guess a neo-Nazi, you're really boring. You know, I mean, I'm, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> and they're all bored, all very yeah. bored, or they're not bored, and that's why they're neo-Nazis. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I said, or they're not bored, and that's why they're neo-Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so man, uh, we haven't really got to uh, talk about you, but uh, I actually had, I had a few questions and stuff about. Um, so, I mean, your SLC Punk movie, uh, you had you had Matthew Lillard and Jason Segal. I mean, these are people that were early in their earlier in their career, and you were able to get them, and now they're like, well, uh, Jason Segal. Really <laughs> now they're big. Uh, Jason Segal's really big. I think Matthew uh, Lillard. Well, he's he still big. Does some stuff. Well, he does. He does more of the voice work for like Shaggy and stuff. And yeah. So how how was that? How was how was it to get these these actors in the casting process? Well, I, I even still, I, I've always been able to get pretty good actors. They come audition, but I mean, I, I know a lot of people. I, I've always been able to. I mean, I made movies before SLC Punk and after, and I pretty much get pretty good cast. They 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 know my work with me. I mean, like as long as the scripts, you know, they like the script. Um, like Jason Siegel, that was his second job, I think. So he was just trying to work. And, I mean, like these, these were like I had a cast director, and these were they were coming in. I saw I saw lots of people for that role, for those roles. Um, and uh, you know, it's just it's not that hard. It's like I mean, like it, it, again. It, if you if you're writing, I mean, even like Devin Sawa, he, he was he was um, he he was uh, doing Final Destination and Idle Hand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 played um, he played Sean. I mean, like I, I think you can get doctors. I mean, like yeah, he he, he was kind of a. Uh, he was coming up for a moment in the early '90s, you know, with uh, SLC Punk and Ch and uh, Idle Hand and Final Destination. That's late '90s. That came out in '99, man. That not make you that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like he, he seemed like uh, he was a known face and becoming a household name, and then it just 
It kind of stops. <laughs> I guess that's, okay. that's how it works, now, now, though. Now, Devin, here's the thing with Devin. Devin had a little bit of a problem with, um, he got in trouble with drinking and stuff. And um, so he went through that, and then he cleaned up about seven, about eight years ago, and now he's coming back really strong. He's coming out in a movie starring with John Travolta that's going to be really hysterical. Oh, hell oh, yeah. And, uh, what's that? I said, hell yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds cool. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because it's like he, it's a John Travolta directed by the guy from Limp Bizkit. Um, it's about Devin Sullivan plays an actor in horror movies, like a B-horror movie actor, and John Travolta is like this man-child who, who kidnaps um, Devin Sullivan, ties him to a bed, and then tries to act out horror scenes, and Devin Sullivan doesn't understand <laughs> anything about horror. It's what he's talking about. Oh, that's going to be very unique, man. That's hilarious. I mean, just look it up. It's called Moose. The picture of, of uh, it's just him and, De and Devin, and John Travolta and Devin, and the picture of the, 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 the way that John Travolta looks, it's fucking hysterical. It's just hysterical. called Moose. The movie, yeah, Moose. It's coming yeah. out this year. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like it's like misery, you know, like it's, it's like that. Yeah, that's. I, I was thinking that right when you uh, right when you said that he ties him to the bed. Yeah, it's like misery, and yeah. and, and, and it's like I'm coming <laughs> against you, Hawaiian ass like, shirt. Oh man, he looks creepy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's slow. He's playing like a slow guy, you know. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> So then, uh, you you had SLC Punk two come out, and uh, it took it took a while to get that out. I don't know if. Uh, oh man, you know, to be honest, I almost forgot about that movie. How'd you forget about it? I, don't get me wrong, it's great. I don't know. It's, it has, it's uh, been a moment. No, it was it was something we did for the just. Uh, it was. Um, I mean, it, 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 it took. I shot it in twenty fourteen and come out in twenty sixteen. That's pretty normal. Yeah, it was really cool that like you had MGK in there. Like he was one of my favorite characters. What was his name in the movie? Oh, Crash. Crash, yeah, it was something cool like that. Crash was, you know, he, like, he was, like, the street punk, man, and, like, you know, like, in SLC 2, two like, you know, the, there had, there was a bunch of different tribes and shit, you know, like, you had the goth girl, and then that, that dude, the main character, Bob's son, was, like, this dark goth, and, you know, and it, it, it uh, yeah, he was, he, he was kind of a, yeah, yeah, I, that was a sort of, I don't know, that's a much smaller, lighter, sentimental movie than, than that's what we thought. Normally, I like to make more sort of darker or horror or scarier type or yeah. angry stuff. That was, I don't know, that was lighter. Some people don't like it because they didn't think it was macho enough, but that's all right. <laughs> Did you, uh... What was the uh, what was the issue with getting um, the originals back? Or some of the originals, like Jason Segal and Matthew Lillard? Well, Jason Segel, I didn't, didn't try to get back. Um, I got Devin back. I got um, Jimmy Duvall, Michael Gordon. I got a bunch of people back. It was um, Lillard wanted that character. Steve was is not. He was supposed to leave Salt Lake. I was talking about how the rich guy left. So he never came back. So like I have a whole other script about what Steve-O does. Same thing with, with Mike. He's a Mike left Salt Lake to go to, to so he didn't come back. 
So that story, it was hard for me to justify those guys being back in Salt Lake. Yes. Uh, when I have a whole other script about those guys living in, like, New York and, and, and then Mike goes to Africa. I mean, like, that's a whole other story. Right. I right. think it was like, I didn't want to waste those stories on putting them back in this provincial town. I mean, like, they left. They became, like, you know, like, they did huge stuff. Yeah. So, Man. I, I don't, like... Like, I mean, I didn't want to, like, suddenly put Mike, who, like, goes to Africa and builds schools for kids, that, you know, like, after, like and then gets kidnapped by uh, by uh, gorillas and, you know, and then beats the shit out of them and all that shit. I don't want to trivialize it and put him back as, like, some guys that stayed in Salt Lake. Man, make those movies. You, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would be the only one, but, like, I would fucking watch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I might. I mean, like, I have that. I have like this whole other script, and like Steve-O ends up representing Mark, who who uh, robbed the bank. You know, I mean, like all that shit. To, like those guys, anyone that left wasn't in 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 the in the sequel. The, the one that's about Salt Lake. What's the, the uh, guys that left? What's the uh, process of you know writing a script, getting all the stuff together? Uh, casting, filming, like how how long does the that initially take for you? Well, I can, it depends. I mean, like if I, I can write it, I have written a script, and then I, like six months later, I'm shooting it, and then a year later, it's out. Or sometimes it can take years. You know, just, I don't know. It depends on like how things line up. Now, you said you were working on a uh, you're working on a series right now. Is that correct? I'm working on a well, it's a trilogy. It's not really a series. It's just three different movies about taking a place in New York City in an apartment. They're all very paranoid stories. Horror. Like, like one of them is like about this... You ever see The Exorcist? Yeah, yes. So imagine like if you're like... like You're like a, a comic book geek and you, you do drawings and illustrations for comic books and, and you're just living there and you're just this kind of nerd. And then the next door neighbor is like, that's The Exorcist that's going on over there. Like... Like, what exactly <laughs> is happening next door? Oh, man, that's and, cool. And, and so and you're trying to deal with that, and your friends think you're cool, like you're lucky. You know, you're trying to tell them, like, how terrible it is because, like, the walls are bleeding. But your friends are like, dude, you live next door to the exorcist, man. You know, like, that's totally cool. <laughs> and he's like, no, man, like, my walls are bleeding. You know how hard it is to clean that shit and, up, you know? And also, like, the guy's like, you know, he's thinking this, and he, and he starts to suspect that maybe it's, it, it, it's it's their fault that because they're drawing they're doing drawings of demons and he thinks maybe they, they summon the demon that went next door and possessed the kid oh shit <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be a trilogy you said well that's like the first one and the other one is more about like a, it's a relationship horror where like this guy who's in with this woman who he begins to suspect is trying to set him up for human sacrifice and then the, the third one is about this guy whose wife is dying, and then he meets this dude that cures her because she may or may not be um, some kind of angel. So I, you know, it's the so those are the three stories. Did you uh, did you write all these as well, or is this uh, directing only? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like an anthology. Like there's no like real That's connection it. between the three. Yeah, I call it. We call it like the Manhattan Trilogy. Manhattan Trilogy. Yeah. Man, that's, okay. that sounds really cool. And yeah. uh, and you're shooting that right now. Is it? A, do you have a scheduled release date for any of these? No, so, I mean I'm going to start shooting probably towards the end of summer. And, and now it's either going to shoot them one after the other, like so it'll come out over a period of three years, or 
I shoot them all together, like as if it's one show. I get all the money together and just shoot it over the, the whole summer and then put them out, you know, space them out over the same year. Man. That, that, that'd be cool either way like I like you know the idea of getting it all at once and being able to watch it all at once but then also the anticipation of waiting for the next one next year and so I, I'm you know whichever way you want to do it buddy they're necessarily related so it's just other than that they take place in New York and they're pretty and they're like dark comedy you know and, and, and horror like mixture of horror and, and humor um they're not like there's I mean, there's vague connections, but there's no real, like, it's not like Lord of the Rings, you know, it, they're just different movies. The vague connect is it like little Easter eggs that, like, make, uh, imply that they take place in yeah. the same universe? Like, you'll see, like, a character, like, from the other one show up briefly, like, just, like, in, the, in their worst, most paranoid moment, that, that little, like, you'll see them show up in the other movie, and you're like, oh, if you saw the first one, you'll recognize it, but it won't be important if you didn't. Yeah, like, I, I love stuff like that. I get I get overly excited. I'm like, oh, that's that guy from the other show. I, I know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, Easter is a good way to put it. I did it before when I, when I first started making movies. I made these two movies. One was called Upstairs Neighbor, and the other one's called Tough Guy, and starring Heather Graham. And then the first one, the guy goes crazy. He thinks he's Upstairs Neighbor or Satan Worshippers, and he ends up getting hit by a car and dying. Um, and... But as he's going nuts, he, at one point, he's, he, in the second movie, he, you see him, he runs into Heather Graham, who's also losing her shit, and she starts yelling at him. And you realize, oh my God, this is something that happened before in the other movie while the guy was on his way home. Oh man, but, see, I love that shit so much. I eat that shit up, you know? <laughs> Just a little bit of implication that th these two movies are taking place in the same universe. I, I, I wish same, more movies exactly, did that. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the right way of putting it. They exist in the same universe. Now, you you did a um, yeah, you did a uh, a maybe not as uh, well, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people might know it, but um, magicians. Uh, that was a fun. Uh, yeah. That was a really fun film. Uh, I feel like uh, some some people went and copied you a little bit. Like in the in <laughs> in the uh, future, I was that the Jim Carrey movie. I felt copied you. But uh, magicians. Yes, they were, did. Totally, I totally got ripped off. Alan Arkin was in that. Was the one with Alan Arkin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was totally a rip off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I haven't heard. Uh, Adam was telling me hey, about magicians. I'm definitely gonna go yeah, back guy, and watch the, that. Uh, I ain't seen like it. the um, like a uh, uh, the magician. The, the main character is like his. He botches a he botches a trick, yeah. and he like cuts this woman's head off. <laughs> and then uh, and it's kind of he has to like come back from that and he goes into I think I think if I remember correctly it's like it's very similar to the to the fucking Jim Carrey one where they have to do like a competition against these the uh, uh, the other uh, magicians and stuff yeah I think it's uh, his ex um, assistant I'm gonna ask you uh, about your inspiration for the the soundtrack of SLC Punk whether these are bands that you grew up listening to but you said earlier that you yourself weren't a punk and I, I just kind of no, no, I, those are all those bands and stuff I listen to. Absolutely, 100%. Man, that, that was a legit soundtrack, you know? Like, uh, see, I watched SOC Punk very young, and, like, I just come across a rancid CD, and I was just getting into the punk rock. I was just learning what the fuck punk rock was. And, like, uh -huh. 
the 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 soundtrack to SLC Punk like laid out like a whole list of bands for me to look into, and it changed my band my library completely. You know, like at the time, like I knew of No Effects and Rancid, but after SLC Punk, I had a slew of punk rock bands to look into and learn about. And yeah, like like Adolescents and um, Ramones and Dead I mean, Kennedys and yeah. the Addicts and yeah. Yeah, that's funny, man. They're still around. All those guys are still around. Who is your uh, who is uh, who's your favorite uh, punk band? Of uh, the punk bands? Oh god, because I, I like so many. Um, I know, right? Yeah, I mean, because I, I really used to like Minor Threat a lot, and then I like uh, I like. Um, of course, I like the Ramones. So I like Americans. I support American music, so I like the American band. Um, I uh, like uh, anarchy like in the UK. Book. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 I mean, I personally, I went to London, and I per- I remember. I mean, I when I was twenty one years old, twenty years old, I went to England to go to school for a semester, and I had fights with those punks out there about where it started. Hell like, yeah! I remember, like, <laughs> That's, that's probably the was best. Was it America with their moms, or was it the UK? Yeah. Who cares who started? It? That's know? probably the. Uh, that's probably well, one of the best kind of monologues. Like, oh, written. You, you, you know, you guys are in America. You think you started punk rock? You don't know anything about punk rock, whatever. And I was like, guys, man, the fucking punk, it's, you, you can't even be punk and British. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't even be punk and British. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you got you got you have to have grown up with cowboys, man. You don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got a point. I gotta say, for, from the SLC soundtrack, one of the uh, my favorite bands was the Exploited. Man, like um, I fucking love the Exploited. That's a British punk band. They're great. That's a great. That's a great band. Yeah, yeah man. Like I think yeah. I, I heard uh, once. I can't even remember. What it's like I think it's a. Uh, I heard one song by the Exploited prior to seeing your movie. I can't remember punk's which one. It, yeah, I think it's "Punk's Not Dead." Yeah, because that's like the, I was gonna say it's one of their most uh, t- top-known songs. But yeah, after uh, seeing your movie, I, I explored them more and shit like that. And I, I just fucking love the Exploited. Uh, sex, uh, sex and violence. Fucking yeah. <laughs> I hate cop funny, cars. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Generation X, I'm friends with the guitarist, Bob Derwood. Derwood is a friend uh, of mine. That was uh, Billy Idol's band, right? Yeah, that was when he was a punk band. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then he went on to the solo stuff. Yeah, Generation X is good. Like, uh, I yeah. like them. You know, like, uh, they're great. <laughs> you know, they're, they're uh, at the time, whenever I came across Generation like, I was looking for the most hardcore, thrasher, 80s street punk. And you know, Generation X is like a different. That's like JFA, and that's yeah, exploited for GBH. Yeah, yeah, GBH is badass. But yeah, when I came across Generation X, is like I don't know, man. This is a little too soft for me to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the seventies. Like you're talking about, like the thrash, like skateboard punk from the eighties. That's then you need to talk. Think about JFA and bands like Minor Threat. Yeah, and GBH. And, uh, and, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like when I came across that '70s punk, I didn't really dig it that much. But now, you know, like uh, "Kiss Me Deadly" by Generation X. That's one of my favorite songs. And uh, you know, 
it's just like I said, yeah, the, the 70s punk movement and 80s punk movement is just uh, two different animals, you know? Yeah, it is. I mean, like, the thrash, it's hardcore. Like, the hardcore is, like, uh, yeah, like, that, like, like uh, exploited. And, and just that thrash stuff. Uh, also, who else? Like, if you think of Bad Religion and, um, and um, yeah, Adolescence, right? Uh, then, uh, no effects. Even the Dwarfs. Yeah, um, yeah. Like that that was the start of the like technically the start of the skater pop punk movement and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean even even the, the goth bands like were hardcore then like like um forty five grave and uh Christian Death. I mean like these are those are pretty harsh like hard bands. Whereas like, you know, in the seventies you had X well Circle Jerks see that, that's why like the the, the the American hardcore band punk bands in the seventies to me are more Hardcore than the British seventies hardcore, because like Circle Jerks and Dead Kennedys and um, and um, I forget who else I'm going to say, but those those fear those guys are a little more rough than say Sex Pistols and Generation X and Suicide Band. You know, I mean, they're just awful bands. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point, yeah. and, and they and they came out at the same time. Yeah, and they kind of paved the way for like the the more hardcore scene of the '80s, more so than the yeah, UK like bands did. Is, is one of those bands? Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, Ram they, Ramones they, they, or the Sex Pistols? Like, skate punk stuff, where it's really just hardcore. Like, but then they went back though, when like Rancid. You know, Rancid's pretty pop. It's pretty pop punk. Like, there's a very catchy ska punk punk tune. Yeah, yeah. See, prior to watching SLC Punk. Rancid was the most most punk punk band I'd known. Other than other than that, is like yeah, it's just like uh, pop punk bands. And Rancid is pop punk, well, I mean, rightfully. I hate to admit it, but I could. And it, I was in my twenties then, so and, and I, I don't know when they came out. I we my my friends and I. I, mean, I was already making movies, but I started making movies when I was twenty one. So when they came out, I always thought like, what are, these guys are just like kind of poser. Like that's what that was the the general attitude. Yeah, um, I mean they look like they're trying so hard to be punk and everything like that, you know. Yeah, I mean they, they, with age they became obviously like really like great, but I mean at the time my friends were like, oh, dude, it's like this uh, white scum punk band. Like it's not, you know, like it was Epitaph selling out. I don't know, we were stupid because I mean, they were a good band. I don't know why we thought that, um, but. You know, because I guess it just wasn't like from from my experience, those hardcore bands were were the eighties. Were, were was like not that, and and green and then also Green Day. When Green Day first came out, we everyone just assumed that was just sort of a pop band. Yeah. And then later on, everyone said like those like you know those guys are like the king of punk rock, and we're like whoa. And cause somebody even said like why for the band in SSC Punk they they suggested Green Day. I said, well, no, I need a punk band. And they were like, well, they are a punk band. I said, no, no, I need like an actual punk band. <laughs> yeah, like a raw like, punk band. And, they, and, and, I did, and now I realize, like, no, they, they were, because, I mean, to me, they sounded post-punk, like pop-punk, you know? I, like, yeah. were, their songs are great, but now they are considered a punk band. I just, when I found that out later on, I was like, wait, what, Green Day? I thought they were just kind of an MTV band. I didn't really think of them as, as a punk band. Yeah, well, uh, they they put punk on, on the mainstream map and stuff. You know, like their first couple albums, like Dookie and and other ones that I can't even remember. Uh, those did have more of a, a faster punk riffs, more of a 
uh, you know, that style of singing, and, and, you know, like, everyone doesn't want to acknowledge pop punk as real punk, but, I mean, it, I it's there, it you know? I, I think that I, I was, I was just still informed. I mean, like, I was busy directing movies, so I didn't know, you know, like, I, I just, you know, I mean, like, I, I knew, I knew, like, I was friends with the managers that, with, with, um, with Beastie Boys, and I thought that the punk had gone in that direction. Yeah. With, with sort of, Beastie Boys stuff because Beastie Boys were originally a punk band, and so I didn't. And I didn't realize that Green Day was so like sort of they did that that uh, Woodstock that my girlfriend had gone to, and because she was working for Warner Brothers. So I mean, I guess I was just too involved in that at that point. Like you know, when you actually know the people, you don't really think you know because when I like bands like to me like like Exploited or Black Flag, I like those are like a TSOL. Those are like bands I idolized. Those are like famous people. And then when in, in, in my twenties I was working in, in, in Hollywood, I met all those all the new people. So I didn't think of them as celebrities or, or, or famous people. I thought of them as just contemporary. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't take them seriously. You know, you know, like and then and now upon reflection, I'm like, oh, those people really did influence a lot of, of you know like the, the music. I just it's just weird coming from that angle because like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, like, like when you say he works with Jason Siegel, to me, he's just a guy that came in and read. Yeah, you know, like, like, but if 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 it had been Rob De Niro, I would have been like, oh my god, because I grew <laughs> up thinking Robert De Niro is a big famous guy. Yeah. So that just uh, shows know, the I, difference in uh, you know just generations, per, yeah, perception, and also just experience. You know, like, it's just I knew him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, they, like I. Like, for instance, I used to hang out with this girl, Carrie Ann Moss, was a friend of mine. And we used to hang out, whatever, because she I was friends with her boyfriend. And, you know, she would, she didn't, you know, she was between jobs, whatever, so we would, just, you know, we were just friends. And then she was in the Matrix, and I was like, how'd you get that job? And then, like, she became really famous for the Matrix. And I was like, you know Carrie Ann Moss? I was like, I, yeah, I know a lot of people. Like, like you know. <laughs> It's not a big deal, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, just, she just, you know, like she got a good job, you know, like that. You know, I don't know, like that's so, so like for me, like fame and music, they all got wrapped up in, because like when I was growing up, that stuff meant something. But then when I went, when I met everybody that became successful, I thought that they all got jobs, and it just, it just like it's just a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, they're all just, you know. Out there it's working. Like yeah. I can work with or not work with. I mean, that's all. That's all that it comes down to now. So that's why when I always hear like people talk about Hollywood and the Insider or whatever they talk about Hollywood elitism and all that shit, I'm like, that's not anything. That that that's, not, they don't know anything about Hollywood. First off, a lot of people don't make money. They're not the richest people in the country. It's not that lucrative of a business, and they're just regular people, and they're all from all kinds of different opinions. And because I, I always hear like people say, well. The Hollywood liberal elite. I'm like, you don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because like, especially since like most actors I've ever met come from Midwest. They're not Midwest. I think I've heard that a lot elite. too. I mean, Brad Pitt like was talking. I talked about. I know Brad Pitt. He was talking. He comes from like Indiana or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, he's, yeah. Like, Small. A very Christian family, you know, all that stuff. So, I, you know, he was like, and everyone's like, oh, he's part of the Illuminati. But <laughs> yeah. no, he's not. He's, he's not. He's not. <laughs> which, which brings us to our final question for you, man. Uh, how many times has the Illuminati contacted you, 
And what's their next uh, plan? Yeah, the Illuminati. They're, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm not, like, if there was an Illuminati, I would have been invited. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, man, uh, man, we're uh, we're we're running out of time here. Uh, Keenan's got uh, work for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do with my bills or anything. <laughs> and so uh, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on to our show, Mr. Marandino. You are awesome. Yes, you are. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I, I was looking so forward to this interview. You know, SLC Punk was such an influential movie for me growing up, and it just it blew my mind to be able to sit here and talk with you today. Great. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed you guys. It was a good show. Thank you, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Later, man. So we just got done interviewing James Marandino, director, writer of SLC Punk. What a punk director he was. of my childhood. Let's get on to the wait, wait, the <laughs> beer of the day. Oh, Adam knows me. He wouldn't let me grab the beer because you know, I tasted it before it was ready. And today's beer of the day is Ballas Point Victory at Sea. Is an imperial porter with coffee and vanilla it is 10 percent in alcohol by volume has an ibu of 60. you talk like a, a radio host from the 70s why thank you <laughs> now we're going to go ahead and try this beer has a really cool skeleton at the helm at sea and it, it ties into what we're talking about with some the, fucking pirate shit bro you know taking taking alcohol across the seas and stuff oh man that is that is delightful Oh man, that is good. You know what's the first thing I tasted? But nine. That's probably that's probably the um. It's like that's probably the strongest vanilla tasting. Yeah, they threw. I've ever had. Dude, it's like that's it's, probably the best. It's vanilla beer, tasting. coffee, and vanilla creamer. <laughs> you know, because you know, a lot of beers they'll say they have vanilla in them, and that's the first time I've really, really, I've really tasted vanilla. Adam, that was good. I would like to uh branch off on a story that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Coffee? I would like to not do that right now, actually. Let's let's rate this beer, then we'll get into my random story. You know, let's not lose... This this beer is uh, nine barrels of hops at sea. It is nine barrels of hops at sea. I will not even try to think of my own analogy. That is perfect. It might be a... You know what it is? I think the IBUs are throwing it off for me. It's the John Jameson of beer. It's a little for for you know for a porter. I'm already done with mine. For a porter, it's a little high in IBU, but I mean, the but, flavor's so good that I'm gonna keep it at a nine. I almost thought about going to a ten. I'm gonna see nine barrels at sea. Yeah, me too. Because uh, I know my tens, and, and there's a fine line between nine and tens. Like, it might even be uh, little things like marketing and advertisement, you know? Like, these two beers, I think they taste the greatest, but one has better marketing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Hashtag George Killians. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so I'm going to give it a nine just to preserve that ten for the special few. <laughs> this is this is a good special beer. I've never, you know. No, you know, I'm going to give it a ten. Speaking of marketing and stuff. There's a skeleton on the front. I know. He's awesome. He's and he's at the helm of, like, no, yeah, he's, like, straight up at the fucking wheel. At the, He's a helmsman. 
I'm all up into that. This is fucking pirate beer. Yeah, and like everyone, like dude, they uh, rum uses pirating as marketing. You know, like people don't like market pirates and beer. That's that's for rum, but these people did. You know, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, boss point. I've only really hit. Look at that on there on on the neck is the uh, the nautical uh, thing and stuff. This is my this is my second beer from them. The first one was that uh, scallopin. Whatever the the beard, the fish on it. I didn't really like that one, but this one, this one's really good. Well, that's because that one was for fishermen, and this one's for pirates. And we are pirates. Our we're pirates. not. Hey, you're we're, not. Into we're not. We're not on that month yet. There, we have a. We have an entire month. We have a pirate month. We're gonna have an we entire have a month? an entire month dedicated pirate to pirates. Month? What? In, no. In, what, what month is in that? In fact, in fact, there's gonna come a point in time we're gonna have an entire, I think, three months dedicated to uh, well, maybe we'll make it down to a one month, but an entire month dedicated to uh, pirates. No, no, basically doing a um, kind no, of like we'll a D and D style game. All right, well, you you lost me. At, we're not talking about pirates. So no, go back to pirates. We're, we're gonna have a, a pirate month, and then we're gonna have a D and D month. When's the in pirate the future? Month? Right now, we're doing uh. You you don't notice because you're not in those episodes. But right now we're doing wrestling months. All right. Well and now wrestling, I'm heartbroken. Wrestling month left out and wrestling ends excluded in the beginning of April. It's because I was so, in jail, wasn't it? And so pirate month may be in May. We have May up up maybe May. All right. Well, I will set up the interviews for that time. You're gonna interview pirates. No, we're going to interview pirate historians, right? Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, pirate historians. That'd be cool. Well, if you don't get a hold of pirate historians, I feel like you dropped the ball on How about people from pirate films? All right, for, you, for those of you who don't know, that was me sliding my beer across the table as if I'm more. Go on. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I'm just no. saying. We'll find well, somebody. Right, well, like, for one, Pirates of the Caribbeans. Oh, dude, let's get someone from Black Sails. That'd be crazy. Yeah, the dude who played Charles Vane. Are you gonna get them for me? No, but like, what? What is the point of you? You're the guy that gets a hold of the celebrity. What is the point of you, co-host? I feel like, I feel like I'm the only one doing Uh anything around here. Of course you are. I am 100% personality. That's why I'm here. (laughs) That's why you're writing Stratois in jail. And and, uh, hey, Keenan, that's just your opinion. Because all we have here... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were done. And that's fine. Because <laughs> all, all we, we have, have here are opinions and beer. Opinions and beer. Opinions and beer. Can't go wrong with opinions and beer. Opinions and beer. Sounds like the end. Opinions and beer. All the All we got here are opinions and beer. And beer. But don't let him get you wrong. We just felt like singing.